Welcome to the Small Business Big Life Podcast. My name is Derek Van Ness, and I'm the lead wealth strategist and founder at Big Life Financial, where we use innovative tax and financial strategies to help business owners keep more of the money they make and be a whole lot smarter at growing it. We believe every person has something unique and valuable to bring to the world, but far too often money stops them from sharing those gifts. We're here to fix that problem by helping people get money out of the way so they can unleash their full potential on the world. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll even reveal how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet. So let's get this thing started now. Well, welcome everybody. This is Derek Van Ness with the Small Business Big Life Podcast here sharing more stories, inspiration, and a little bit of magic sprinkled in. Today, we have uh, someone that I think you're going to get a ton of really cool nuts and bolts from just in our short conversation prior to the podcast. I can already tell she's got some distinctions that are going to blow your mind. So I'm just really excited to have Stephanie Sutendahl here with us. And Stephanie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's truly a pleasure to be here and to be able to share the wisdom and knowledge that, you know, that I definitely did attain in my journey to be able to reach where I've reached, which is from zero or actually from government help and food stamps to a six figure empire in less than a year. Wow, that's, that's quite a turnaround. And so before we dig into that, uh, just tell us real quick, like, what do you, what do you do where, you know, what are you up to in the world and how can people contact you if they just suddenly are like, Oh, Stephanie's my North star. I have to follow her. Okay, sure, sure, sure. So my name is Stephanie Sutendal, and um, I have a private tutoring company called Matrix Tutors. Mm-hmm. We are right now very local, but we're heading in a trajectory to reform education K-12 with university and uh, Ivy League professors. And we are going to be scaling out to be a national virtual private school and heading into augmented reality and virtual reality. And if you are interested in getting to know how, you know, education definitely display a huge role in the transformation of society as a whole, you can either follow me on Instagram at Stephanie underscore matrix, or you can also email me at Stephanie at matrix tutors.org. Fantastic. Fantastic. So um, before we get into your story, because I want to unpack you know, what this journey has been like. And I love the big vision and, and education and virtual education is just like this tiny issue right now, right? Everybody's trying to figure it out with the, with the pandemic and what to do with their kids and how do we, how do we really get good education? So you are so perfectly positioned that I'm, I'm excited, but before we get into that big treasure chest of ideas, uh, share with us, if you could give one piece of advice to a business owner you know, it sounds like you've basically gone from zero to, you know, doing really, really well in a short period of time. What's, what's the best piece of advice you would give to someone who's just getting started or maybe really looking to take the next step? It is very important in your business, especially when you're starting up as a startup or as a small um, enterprise, you definitely want to make sure that you have the right team that is aligned with your mission, with your corporate ethics, and the values that your company is making. It is very important to be providing quality service from building a strong foundation rather than to just be focusing on the profits itself. Yeah. I know when you and I spoke 
prior to to the call a little bit, that was something that you really brought up was sort of, I don't know if I want to go with purpose over profits, but really like like doing work that matters as a first priority, as opposed to profits as a first priority. Where does that come from for you? Sure. So it definitely does come from having an approach from a humanitarian value um, intention where we definitely do have to make sure that in the future we're creating companies based in consciousness development and what is better for society rather than what is better for business owners and for profit itself. Because a capitalistic economy, sure, there is a lot of advantage that you can take from that in order to grow. But leaders and bosses, I would say you want to be more than anything a leader rather than a boss. You need to be focused more is on what you are providing as a service. For me, for example, my students, my tutors, Mm -hmm. parents of students, those are my priority over myself and over the the, um, profits that I'm getting. Because once you set in front those that are leading your team, you're definitely going to get what is called a positive growth due to the quality of services that you're giving. Okay. So I, I have an interesting thing here because I think there's a lot of nuance to what you're saying, right? It's it's very, uh, I like to dig in on this stuff. So it's very easy to say, sure. okay, do the right thing. Don't worry so much about profits, but I definitely see people who are victims in that world where they're, I'm doing the right thing. I'm giving it all away. I'm helping people, but they're suffering. And what happens is I, I see people break down. So how do you find that balance between making sure that you can stay in a powerful mindset and be the leader that you need to be by taking care of yourself versus taking care of your clients and your, your team? Sure. So this is definitely from trial and error itself. <laughs> yeah. However, what I experienced that worked the best for me to manifest, it's literally I'm dream, I'm living my dream life. Like I went from being homeless, like riding a bicycle to students all over Miami to having a Mercedes Benz. Like this is just something that, you know, from experience, this is how I was able to attain, you know, where I am right now. It's definitely faith and it's definitely mindset. When you mentioned suffering in uh, in the question that you were that you were just asking, uh-huh. definitely the emotions that you're putting out, that's the reality that you're attracting back. Mm-hmm. So that is why it's so important to have the, the being grateful for what you have, having vision, having that feeling of what you want your future to be. For example, how would you want to be if you have a million dollars? How would you feel? Having that feeling in the present moment, that is what is going to keep attracting that into your life. So it's kind of like the secret, very much something else that I completely love, which is, um, I always say the name incorrectly, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. That's correct. So so sure. So I would say definitely the mindset, definitely having faith if things aren't going the right way, it's definitely to teach you a lesson and to let you know that that is not the path to take. But you definitely have to keep faith and not get frustrated or go through suffering. Okay. So let's say I'm, I want to dig in on this because this comes up all the time. I have a ton of sure. business owners who have, they they really have good hearts, but they just can't seem to like really get it going. And so there's, there is probably some scarcity and some fear and a lot of things underneath all of that, right? Like you said. Um, so let's say, because it wasn't that long ago, right? That you were probably in some of that scarcity and trying to figure it out. And how do I improve my situation? How would you, what would you say to someone who, you know, maybe is they have the right intentions. They've got a good idea. They're willing to work hard, 
but it's just not happening for them. How did you shift your mindset to be able to take that big leap? Like, was there uh, a specific thing or something you started doing on a regular basis or something you learned? I'm just interested in how you, how you flip that switch. Cause a lot of people struggle with that. Sure. Okay. So I personally did go through, I didn't go through too much of a struggle. And that is maybe because I was doing what, what I'm about to say. Okay. So when I started my company, I was actually working for two different companies and on top starting my own company. So in reality, mm-hmm. I was working for three different companies. Okay. And I just make sure that it's not so much that people don't make money is that it's how they spend it. So for me, absolutely, the majority of the things I didn't spend it on on going out, I didn't spend it in things that, you know, that weren't going to be fueling my goal. Everything that I make even nowadays, I pay bills, and then the rest goes to capital directly back into 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 my company itself. Mm -hmm. So I think that the 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 struggle, if it's financial struggle, because one thing is being emotionally struggling and another thing is being financially struggling, but those two go hand in hand, no doubt about that. For sure. But if you are being careful with your finances and putting the maximum effort to make sure that you are covering your bills itself, everything is going to go up, but it's definitely going to be, it's going to require work. It's going to require three times extra work as if you are a normal person working for a company, right? And another aspect that might that might be incredible advice is to, oh, I had it and it just flew away. <laughs> Give me one second. Well, could, Give me one I, second. I had it there and something just happened. <laughs> I, I can jump in for you there because I, I do financial strategy for business owners. And one of the things I see is like you said, Obviously, hard work is is such a huge part. But also, as you as you make money, I think setting money aside so you have that safety net, and then reinvesting in yourself and your business, especially uh, early on, on on my YouTube channel. Uh, one of the videos I want to put out in the next week or two here is like, what do you do with money in your twenties versus your thirties versus your forties versus your fifties? And for a lot of young people, it is or young business owners. And what I mean by that is even if you're 65, if you're young in business, because you're in a second career starting a company, reinvesting in yourself, your skill set, and your business is a top priority. That will really fuel your ability to grow. And then as you make more, you can save more. And as you can save more, then you can, you know, get money working for you. But I think uh, what you're saying there, reinvesting in yourself and your business, or what I would call reinvesting in assets, things that grow, uh, is a is a really foundational piece. So Hopefully, did your idea come back to you or should I should I ask you another question? So yes, it did. And it just went back out again. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> what is going on? What is going on here? So yes, it came as you were talking. I'm like, that's what it was about. So hold on. In Spanish, you say se me fue la paloma, meaning like the dove flew away. Yeah. Flew away. <laughs> I've had that happen a million times. And honestly, one of the adjustments for me this year was. Uh, prior to 2020, I I wasn't on camera that much. And okay. so when I first started talking to a camera, like when I'm looking right now, I'm looking at the camera, but you're actually down here for me, right? Like okay. your, your face is down here. When I start looking to a camera, sometimes like that exact thing happens. Like what just happened? Cause I'm not as connected to the person. So it's, it's been quite a skill set to learn. How do I connect to you through the camera 
as opposed to down here. Um, so I totally understand it happens to me all the time. I have to edit my YouTube videos all the time. So um, I'm totally with you. But so let me go back to something else you said, and then maybe we can dovetail back into what, what you're sure, trying sure. to, while you catch the dove. Um, you, you talked about leadership versus being a boss. Explain to me the difference to you. Like how, how do you go from that? Because I think a lot of people think they're leading but they're just being a boss. They're bossing people around, they're bullying people, or they're not leading at all. How did you, uh, how do you distinguish that or what makes a leader to you? Okay. So a leader is definitely somebody that to me, success is seeing other people succeed, not mm. only my students, but also that my employees, my independent contractors and everyone else that, you know, works for me, that they're also growing as well. Right. So is is making sure that your team is definitely taken care of and that you're doing it for their future. You care about them and their future. And they are individuals that have potential to grow. A lot of uh, bosses, if you want to to use that word, they, uh, they they they're driving it from a place of ego where mm-hmm. they're doing it to to fulfill lack of self-worth thinking that, oh, because I have this title, because I'm the boss, I'm the CEO, I need to have people under control. And that is, you know, that definitely is, is, is keeping people in, um, in, in a complete different rank, mm-hmm. you know, instead of being, we're all one, we're all a team and we're all working together, you know, that division within itself, you know, that's, that's, it's also, it makes, the working environment very uncomfortable for for the employees and also people need to know that what they're doing is worthwhile that they are contributing to something positive that their time is valued that their work is valued and many times you know uh, bosses they, they 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 instead of seeing the good things and the capabilities that people have they're uh-huh. looking at what they're doing wrong and start reprimanding them you know and in the end that's not really going to it's counterproductive right yeah, yeah, a little bit like focusing on negative reinforcement versus positive reinforcement, right? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I, another, go ahead. Sorry. Another aspect is also if you have to step in and do the work of your employees, a leader is not afraid to roll up the sleeves and actually go in and go at the same level that they're that they're that they're supposed to be working and teaching them right mm-hmm. because it's not so much about about being a boss and you need to do what i say and if you don't do it x and y is going to happen as a consequence it's like who's right. going to want to go into work and even like do something positive for the company if that is you know the the, the consequence that's going to happen right <laughs> yeah yeah i had a friend share with me he's uh he's from japan and he said apparently where he grew up, they used to teach that people do things for three things for three reasons. One is they do things out of fear, right? And when you're being a boss, your people are doing things out of fear and people who do things out of fear only do the minimum, right? They're just doing enough to not get fired. And then he said the the second reason they do things is they do things out of um, duty. My boss pays me a salary or they pay me money. So I want to give them a fair amount of value. I want to do the work that they pay me for. Right. And so that's a person who has a fairness and toes the line, but they're still keeping track, right? They're not giving you a lot of extra. They're saying you pay me X and I give you Y and, and that's it. And then he said, the third reason that people do it, and this is what I think you're alluding to 
is they do do it out of love, love for you, love for the cause, love for the mission, love for the change and the impact. When people do things out of love, they give exponentially. They give as much as they can. They'll yeah. they'll stay late, they'll work extra, they'll, you know, they'll they'll really give as much as they can and what I find is if you give love, then you receive love, right? If you really and I don't mean like romantic love, I mean really like care about the individual and invest in them like you're talking sure. about. So so I think that that's uh, that's a beautiful sentiment and uh, and and just super important. But I thought it was super valuable that he said that because I can see when people are operating out of one of those three areas. And within within my business, I try to do my best. I say try because I'm not always perfect. Um, no, it is, and that's the beauty of it because you know growing is an ever grow, you know, an ever going process <laughs> until you die, right? <laughs> I hope that's so. The beauty of perfection. <laughs> I, I hope so. Cause I got a long ways to go. So, um, so something we talked about before the show that you mentioned was, I want you to talk a little bit about the role of fear, right. And, and, and how it plays, uh, what people get afraid of. Uh, some people say people are afraid of failure. Sure. I've had other people on my show say people are afraid of success, but what role do you think that the fear plays in motivating people or keeping them small or, or whatever? Sure. So fear is a very, very strong emotion that mm-hmm. can either get manifested as anxiety or as anger. That is usually how fear, oh, sorry about that. That's usually <laughs> how fear comes out to the other side when you are expressing that, that emotion, right? Now, fear is a product of the mind. In this present moment, nothing is happening. Life is meaningless. You give meaning to life. Mm-hmm. And Fear is anxiety, and that is fear of the future. Anxiety is being afraid of the future and not going as desired. But subconsciously, they don't realize that they're attracting what they don't want into their life. By having fear, you're going to be attracting more scenarios that are going to make you stay in that vibration, right? Mm -hmm. I call it vibration because emotional intelligence is a huge factor of what we do. In teaching children this since they're very young and how to, you know, how emotions work on how love is the opposite of fear. Mm-hmm. Love also comes with faith, right? Sure. So I would say that, yeah, fear is definitely, a, it's a raging monster, but more than anything, <laughs> it is definitely you're, you're causing that to yourself. You know, the opposite of that is doing it from, from love, the understanding that if things don't go as desired, Either you were in the wrong, in the wrong mentality, in the wrong vibration, or it just wasn't your door. Or maybe it, it was also, it is your path, but you weren't ready for it. I always say that everything comes in divine timing, without a doubt. So, so yeah, does, does that answer the question? I tend to all, always go a little bit off track. So hopefully that, that definitely answered it. No, no, I think uh, this is really important, you know, and, and this is a topic that comes up a lot is is fear, fear of failure, fear, fear of risk, um, anxiety. Cause that's, those are ever present when you're in a, in a dynamic environment, right? And right now the economy is a dynamic environment, but also business owners, employees, and all the different things that we deal with is very dynamic. A lot is happening all the time and there's a lot of, a lot of things going on. So, so fear is a, a big thing. So when you feel yourself going into anxiety or fear, you talked about love being the opposite. How do you flip that switch? Cause it, you know, that's another a question that comes up a lot is like, okay, I get what you're saying. Like I'm anxious, but what do I do about it? 
What would you say to someone who does that or how do you handle that, Stephanie? Sure. So I do preventative measures, which is basically a lot of self-care. In the morning, I meditate. I said my my there's habits that are called preventative. Most people mm-hmm. get anxious and they have fear and then yep. they do something to solve that instead of from the first place having habits that will prevent that from happening. So mm-hmm. for me, it is meditation, setting goals for yourself, um, daily affirmations, speaking them out loud, exercising, energy mm-hmm. work, breath mm-hmm. work. So all of this is definitely part of my everyday routine. And it definitely does get easier with time. I have a lot of PTSD, a lot. A lot of people thought that I would not even be where I am. And they thought many people that I was going to end up dead <laughs> with wow. the type of lifestyle that, that I was living. And I did a complete 180 turn, but it gets easier. It's like a muscle. At the beginning, it's going to feel uncomfortable. But the more that you keep on practicing, letting go, going into meditation, the great thing about meditation is that your five, 95% of your, of your day-to-day life is operated by the subconscious and only 5% is by the conscious mind. So meditation is a great way to hack that subconscious and be able to rewire your thinking so that you don't go into a self-destructive path or self-destructive emotions like fear and anxiety uh-huh. that has been in your software or, you know, like how you operate for X amount of years, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. Definitely transformation requires patience, but the more that you do preventative measures rather than fixing the problem after it actually happens, definitely is something that is of importance. Yeah. I love that. I I love proactive and uh, I'm a big believer in meditation and, and breath work and reading and, you know, I get up early every morning to spend some time on that because it is, important to me. So I, I agree with you 100%. So, so tell me your business obviously has taken off and done well. What do you, th- what do you think um, has been the reason for your success? There's a lot of people out there who do a little tutoring here or there, or uh, they're kind of in the, in the education space on some level. What do you think has really set you guys apart or allowed you to really thrive so, so much? Sure. So I would definitely say that Having myself been a tutor before, and I still am because it is definitely a passion of mine, being a tutor and being part of the service that you're providing is the way that you learn what exactly it takes, you know, to how does a company, you know, happen? Like, for example, I worked for for a huge tutoring company and it was being within them that I realized how is it that it, that, that company works? What is it that clients were, were arguing, not arguing, but saying like this, I can't believe that this is happening and they're doing this to me. So, aha, uh-huh, that's something not to do. Mm-hmm. So being part of a company and being within the service that you yourself and your company is offering is definitely a huge part of somebody that becomes the owner of that. So I would say that that would be first. And then I would also say that in the beginning, it is perfectly fine. And it is a lot of work. But for example, with myself, I'm also right now a private tutor as well. We do private tutoring, okay? Uh-huh. Obviously, because I'm the owner, I charge a lot more than my but than my tutors do. But I work together as a team, and I'm also part of the team 
not only because it definitely does bring in more profit to the table, but also because I definitely do need to make sure that we are growing together. I don't think I would ever retire from tutoring. It's my passion to be with kids and to be able to teach them. Right. But you definitely have to be part of, of the of the growth of the company itself, you know, for the first couple of years. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is there's a ton of value on being on the front lines and seeing how what works and what doesn't work so that you can really know the business. Yes, so. very much so. Yeah, because I know a lot of people try and get off the front lines as fast as they can. And for some people that works and sometimes it doesn't. So I think you drive home a really, a really good point there. So you mentioned that you're looking to expand this and take it bigger. And so tell me what you guys are up to. What What's the plan? And uh, just kind of share that vision with us. Sure. So right now we have been growing organically and locally. And that has been even to the point that since we have not automated our systems yet, and we're in the process of doing that with web developers and creating our own platform, I definitely do not want to get into advertisement and marketing to expand this out to the public rather than keeping it private like we are locally because of the fact that we don't have systems that are automated. And, you know, the, the most important part is to make sure that your costs are as low as possible um, in terms of, of employees and administration, because you want to automate things, especially if you want to scale out to thousands, 10,000, 100,000, a million, you know, like members or clients or students, yep. you need to have your system automated. So right now, the next level that we're taking is we are working right now with web developers in India, which is the mecca of education is in India and in <laughs> Asia. They know exactly what they're doing. So we're creating our own platforms that is going to um, enable us to, to be automated, to scale out to the sizes that we want. Very, very cool. I love that. Um, and you mentioned something about working with universities and Ivy League schools. How, what role are they going to play in that? Just okay, like, so- go ahead. Sure. So one already that is happening is that I have an incredible HR department that usually we have in statistics last time that I checked over 600 applications that come through to work for matrix tutors. Out of those, there are five levels of screening that HR does until um, the candidate goes into the final interview with me. And that's 0.01% of those 600 applicants, right? Mm -hmm. So I make sure that not only are we hiring the best of the best in talent and education, but also that they have the empathetic and passionate approach that we look for. So that is also a huge factor to that. And right now, the majority, we have tutors from Harvard. We have students from Stanford, from University of California at Berkeley, from Howard University, which is where Kamala Harris uh, graduated from. So, so yeah, so we definitely want to make sure that we have the best of the best. So that is the first role is hiving tutors that are ready in from Ivy League uh, degrees. The next is going out and completely crafting the curriculum from zero for K to 12. Now, the reason why we want to work alongside university professors is because this is recreating outdated methods of American education that have been around since the Industrial Revolution. And maybe through Common Core, which is, you know, Bill Gates, Uh has it changed, but not to the extent that it needs complete reformation. We need emotional intelligence programs. We need financial intelligence programs. Like I got out, I don't know if it was the same with you, but I got out of high school and I didn't even know how to do my taxes. What was a mortgage? What was investing in the stock market? I had no 
idea. No yeah. idea. So, you know, definitely we need to make sure that education in America goes up to the next level. And the greatest minds are university professors, especially in the Ivy Leagues and in the top universities in America. Yeah, it's interesting. When I think of education reform, I, and I've said this before, but I think that the three biggest areas that impact your life are your health, your relationships, and your money. And when we stop and think about how much we get in an American education in those, you maybe have one or two health classes. You have zero things on relationships where you learn all your relationship skills or your parents, right? Um, and money. And really all we learn, unless you take some sort of finance degree or personal finance classes, which are always electives, you learn how to count money. And that's literally it. You don't know, learn how to save it. You don't learn how to invest it. That's what my company does. And you talk about taxes. I literally routinely talk to business owners who are making, you know, five, six, $700,000 a year, and they're overpaying taxes like $150,000. Oh, yes, that, that can definitely Crazy. happen. Yeah. Last year, I was the first year that I paid taxes. And I was, I'm like, I don't even want to get ready for next year. If this is how much it was for the first two months. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, and that's the thing, like people don't realize being proactive, meaning you have to understand it instead of just, and this applies to anything, right? If you have a plan and you execute as you go, it's very easy. If you wait till the very last day and then try and put the plan in place, which is how most people do taxes, it's a huge mess. And we do, I do a master class every six to eight weeks for business owners on how to be proactive. And there's just so many different ways how to create tax-free income and all the other things that are out there because nobody's teaching it, right? Like these are really smart people. I work with a lot of doctors and dentists and, and, you know, manufacturers and software companies and stuff. And they're making all this money and they're just giving half of it. Like if you live in California and you're in the highest tax bracket, you're giving like 20, I'm sorry, 49% of your money to the government. Yeah. 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 That's, that's why everybody's leaving California right now is because it's so crazy, but um, yeah, it, it's a really big deal. So I appreciate you bringing that up, but I, I, as you're rebuilding it, please include those three things. Because <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'll definitely keep that in mind. Of course. <laughs> I just think they're so important. And if you get those right and you don't get everything else, right, you're going to be fine. Like if you don't know the, you know, the, the history of the Chinese dynasties or whatever, you'll probably be okay. But if you don't know how relationships work, life's pretty tough or you don't know how money works. It's like swimming upstream. Right. And of course, if your health is, is beat up and you don't know what to do about it, that's a very difficult way to live. So definitely. So yeah. um, not so long ago, I was uh, dining with Mark Schneider. He is um, in charge of the U.S. Department of Education and Research and Funding. Mm -hmm. And he definitely is, um, a, first of all, brilliant, brilliant guy. No doubt about that. His story is also completely inspirational of how he started and how he ended up in the U.S. Department of Education. Mm -hmm. However, they invested over $900 million last year in seeing what is going to work in the future of education. And it came mm -hmm. down to things. Hmm. Emotional intelligence and tutoring. Hmm. So, cool. so yeah, because here's the thing. Not everybody is fit for all. I'm a huge, how do you call this? Not an advocate for hmm. standardized testing. Yep. Not at all. I yep. completely disagree with it. I I've seen how students, you know, they 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 it's it's not only is it it can be life wrecking emotionally for them, 
But yeah. I also see how that is not the most accurate way of how to measure the potential of a student. Not only that, if your parents can afford tutoring, a private tutoring, you know, for, for SAT and ACT, those packages start at $6,000. Who can do that? Only the upper class. Now, with that being said, that's completely rigid. That is not fair for, for, for you know, for, for Americans, especially now with COVID. It's yeah. only going to get more tough and there's more competition on that. So I do not agree at all with the college board at all. <laughs> like well, I, I'm somebody in education and I'm here saying, hey, listen, this is not the best way to build the next generation of employees and of leaders here in America. Now, sorry about that. You were going to say something? Well, well, I, I could say two, two things there. One is uh, I have a very close family member who's been in the teaching profession, a couple of them for a long time. And, and she basically told me the problem is now the education is is completely built around passing the test, not about teaching the kids to think, right? So so she's been, for the last 10 years, she said it's gotten really, really, really bad. Um, and the the teaching has changed completely because it's not about learning, it's about passing those tests. And yes. that's that's a real problem. Um, and the, the other thing that I would say, Stephanie, and I feel it, like it's like this about healthcare, and I feel like it's going to be like this about education. People do what in, what is incentivized, financially quite often, right? And so if we could find a way to make keeping people healthy more profitable than them being sick, guess what would happen to healthcare? It would totally revolutionize it, right? Because the richest companies would be the ones who figure out how to keep people healthy. It's just that having sick people is much more profitable than healthy people right now. So the same thing with education, if we can figure out how to put it in the best interest of those who are the decision makers and really can have the impact or people like yourself, how do we make it more profitable for, for students to be more successful um, instead of just getting them to sign up for college, right? Like what the, where the profits built in right now is just in getting people enrolled in school, not necessarily in their results. Right. And that's, that's the problem. How do we make it more profitable for companies based or, or schools or education based on the outcomes for students, as opposed to, just getting them through the classes. I, I think sometimes we incentivize the wrong things. And, and so as we're building out, like, you know, you're taking on some really, really, really big things there. And I think it's fantastic, but I just think that sometimes we forget that whether you like it or not, I know you're not a profit centered person, although profit is important because you can't grow your business without it. Yes. Re- re- really remembering that if we don't um, incentivize people, most people won't do the thing they'll do what's most profitable. They won't always do the right thing. So if we can really incentivize it, it's, it's huge. So that's my two cents because as you change the world, um, you know, I want to, I want to put my two cents in there because I think it's really, really important. No. And I'm definitely going to piggyback on that because in our student magazine, which uh, our first edition was launched uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually, I'm going to send you a copy of it. Okay. Uh, in, within it, there is a very important conversation or email I had with Fisk Johnson. He's the CEO of SC Johnson. Okay. He's also on the board. He has so many degrees from Cornell University. He serves in the, you know, for advising in STEM and women for the White House. Mm. And when was this? I believe that this was March of last year. He asked me, Stephanie, as you are somebody that is a woman in education, why do you think that women are not interested in STEM? So hmm. I told Fisk, I, I gave him the, the summary about it, but I, I let him know, 
listen, let me please send you an email because it's going to be able to, to get, to gather more accurate information that you can even look back later on. That okay. email is published in a student magazine. Oh, and cool. here is um, the, the reason or what I, I told him. I'm like, listen, right now, the generation of today, because of this capitalistic society, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> so, yeah, so because we live in a capitalistic society, which is heavily controlled and influenced by the media and social media websites sure. and applications, students don't know what they want because they're told what to want. Mm. Students are being led to believe that money and materialism is happiness. Right. So the problem is that we have an entire generation that they want to be the next influencer, that they, and they're doing this by, by selling, I don't want to say selling their bodies. That's definitely not what, what, right. what I'm getting to, but that they are displaying themselves as an, <laughs> this is a very sensitive subject. <laughs> but I, I get where you're going with it though. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't want to insult them because everybody has their, their own uh, path. However, they are, it's like I tell my students, always act as if your daughter or son is watching you. Because later on, they don't realize that what they're doing right now and how they're, they're displaying themselves in social media is going to impact their future. And God forbid, if there's some of these people and OnlyFans is definitely something that I don't even want to touch. But very unfortunately, after COVID happened, this this sprung up like crazy. A lot of girls that were waitresses, minimum wage workers, you know, they they started going into that. And, you know, it's devastating. And, you know, I definitely would under not understand to that point. But this is the observation that I've had. So, you know, I definitely told Fisk, I'm like, listen, people, girls want to be the next Kardashian. They want to be the next influencer. And they're not really focused on what makes them alive. What is their passion? Their two mm -hmm. focuses on materialism and money is happiness because this capitalistic society is instilling within them that that is the route. Yeah, it's interesting what you say. There's two things that come to mind. One is um, Brene Brown talks about this, right? Like the differences in pressure for men versus women. Sure. We have we have different pressures, and and women a lot of it is around their appearance. A lot of women are are their appearance really impacts the value that they think they bring into the world. And sure. men, it's it's a financial thing. A lot of men, if you make more money as a man, it's kind of like being beautiful as a woman are kind of what she weighed out, right? So so the different pressures of men to be rich and women to be beautiful. Um, and she said it's different because men have to look like they do it and work hard. Whereas women have to be beautiful and make it look effortless. Like that's a whole nother like nuance to the whole game that I sure. found really fascinating. But what you're, what you're talking about here is I, I saw this when I was a kid. And so I'm going to bring in like an eighties reference, but essentially, sure. um, the, the, the lead singer of this very famous rock band, he, he had his uh, lead guitarist and the guy would play in the eighties. They would play these guitar solos, right. And do all this stuff. And, and the guy would raise his hand and the crowd would go crazy. And the singer pulled him aside and he said, Hey, you need to stop going for the cheap applause because if you raise your hand and you're up on stage, of course, they're going to cheer. He said, instead of doing that, be so good, just slay what you're doing to the point where they can't help, but applause, even though you don't raise your hand. And I think what's happening with a lot of these people um, on social media is people are going for the cheap applause, right? Some people do it by woe is me. Other people, it's like showing their bodies. Other people, it's showing their stacks of money or their fancy car. 
but they're going for the cheap applause. There's not really a lot of substance there. They're, but they're saying, Hey, look at me. And that, you know, they, they want those likes and they want those hearts and they want all that stuff. And the problem is it's very hollow because as soon as you're done with that and you know that everybody cheered for you because you asked them to cheer for you instead of them coming and cheering just because you were doing your craft, um, it's not very fulfilling. And over time, you're just chasing the likes, which usually leads you to, it's a race to the bottom. Who can be the skankiest? Who can be the flashiest? <laughs> who can be the most exaggerated or dramatic, right? Depending on what 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 medium you're talking about here, but I'm just trying sure. to be real. Um, Absolutely. And the problem is when you do the race to the bottom, it's the same thing like always trying to be the cheapest company. If you're always the cheapest, it's a race to the bottom. And the only people who win that are Amazon and Walmart, right? So unless you're willing to be Amazon and Walmart and do so much volume and be such a stickler for every quarter of a penny and so tight on everything that you do, that's not a race you can win, right? And so we have to ask ourselves, what's the race that I can win? How do I build my craft so that I get the real applause instead of the cheap applause? And that way I'm being lifted up instead of pulled down the whole time. And I just think that's that's where a lot of people are missing it because it takes longer to get the real applause than to get the cheap applause. And most people are are either unaware of that or unwilling to do it. Does that make sense? There's patience. It's part of the generation, right? Everything is instant. Everything has to be now and now and now. And it's, uh, you know, you have to have patience, no doubt about that. But you said a lot of truth in that. Without a doubt, I agree with everything that you're saying. And, you know, in, in, in the end, it's definitely not... You shouldn't be codependent on the outside world for your happiness. Your happiness is already within, without a doubt. And, you know, you you dictate your own self-worth. Nobody else can tell you who you are, who you're not. I had people tell me, I, I had every single person except my mother. She was always on my side rooting me. But I had every single person telling me, you can't do this. You're not going to succeed. You're, you need to, um, you're not going to do this because you're this type of person. And, you know, that's their opinion, right? Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that you are very strong in believing that who you are has nothing to do as well with how you look. It doesn't have to do with what car you drive. It doesn't have to do with the materialistic things that you have. Yeah, Who you are is definitely how much you love yourself. It's like I always say, people can only operate from the same level of consciousness that they have. And mm-hmm. people can only love from the same level they have of love within themselves. Yep. That's why there's so many codependent relationships as well and codependency and having happiness from other people saying, oh, we like you, we like you, we like you. Okay, now here's a question. Do you like yourself? That's the most important question that you need to be asking. Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't have time to go down that hole, but um, <laughs> sure. I, I, I went through some really hard times, 2007, 8, 9, when the, the economy crashed and I was a house flipper and lost everything. And yeah, I had to reinvent that because I've I, so I've definitely been through that where my my self worth was tied to my net worth, and when that went away, it was it was devastating, and I had to like literally rebuild my my soul and my confidence and my love for myself, and it took it took years. Um, yeah, and I mean I don't know if that's ever done, but but some really intensive work. So I agree with you a hundred percent. The more you can love yourself, the more you can love others, the more you can love yourself, the less you have to prove to others, the less you get caught up in the social media race. You can do the right thing instead of the thing that gets the cheap applause. Um, And long-term, it pays massive dividends. And 
you know, in the investing world, they sometimes call it going slow to go fast. You have to lay the proper foundation. Like if you're building a house, some people would just start throwing up the walls. Whereas to really build a house, you actually have to dig a hole and put down the foundation and put down the cement and let it cure. And then you can start to build, but you're, you're weeks or months behind the person who just started building the walls. But as soon as the rain comes, their house gets washed away and yours doesn't. And long-term, you can build a taller and a stronger and a lasting house. And so I think people forget that. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I echo your, your thoughts that you know, we really have to build a different foundation. A lot of that comes from education outside of the parents. I think you know, this, the education system is the most important thing for young people. Sure. So, sure. so Stephanie, um, remind us again, for people who love what you're up to and, and want to be involved with it or, or track you down and, and uh, you know, give you their two cents, how do they do that? How do they connect with you? Absolutely. So they can either connect with me through my Instagram, which is Stephanie underscore matrix or to my email, which is Stephanie at matrix tutors.org. Okay. Awesome. And so one last thing I like to always do for my guests is I want to give you 30 to 90 seconds to just to say whatever you need to say, whether it's related to what we're talking about or not, or whether we covered it. Is there anything you want to share with the audience and just say what you need to say? All right. So this is very subjective and very personal, but I would definitely let, you know, the audience know that without a doubt, your belief in a higher power, whether it's your higher self or in my perspective, to me, it is God. It is the most important factor that has gone into the success that I have. Simple as that. God first. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for being authentic and really sharing from yourself. I know that's very personal. And uh, Stephanie, I just really appreciate you being here on the show. Derek, thank you very, very much for having me. It is truly a pleasure. I had a great time. And, you know, once again, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Life Show. If you're a six or seven figure business owner who'd like to be on the show, we'd love to talk about it. Just visit biglifefinancial.com slash guest to get the ball rolling. And if you heard something you loved on the show today, don't be shy about sharing it. And if you do, be sure to use the hashtag smallbusinessbiglife so we can see that you're sharing the love. And heck, if we swoon over your post, we might even pass it on to our many thousands of followers help share the love and the spotlight with you. Speaking of love, if you like today's show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You know why? Because then you'll never miss another episode and you can get all the motivation, inspiration, and insights with every new episode. Also, if you want to see everything else we're up to on YouTube, social media, or even in real life, you can always visit us at biglifefinancial.com. Well, that's it for today. My name's Derek Van Ness, and I want to personally thank you for being a part of the small business Big Life movement. Now get out there, create more than you consume, love people more than you need to, and believe in magic because yes, it does exist.